your own experience uh, where you were abducted temporarily to a spaceship yes. and you were well, prodded. Well, to a little room. I didn't okay. see any spaceship. I still haven't ever seen one. But what about this feeling of discomfort when you woke up the following morning after having this experience? <laughs> it was very disturbing and confusing. And there was also a lot of pain in the side of my head where they put a needle into my head. Then I had a brain scan and there's a mark in my, inside my brain at the point where the needle went in. So uh, what are you to make of a thing like that? Generation X Paranormal. Well, hey everybody, welcome back. Um, so this next episode, so there's a lot of, um, I mean, there's a lot of kind of what I call gold stamps or just, you know, those things that just define a particular type of paranormal um, this one kind of does that, I think, for UFO and ufology. Um, and what we're talking about this this week is the Hudson Valley uh, UFO incidences. And we're going to start that off with kind of a historical background, um, but it is still very active. And we're going to cover that a little bit, too, afterwards. But, um, you know, just kind of giving you a heads up. So you know, we'll just go ahead and kick it off and kind of get started because there's a lot to cover. Um, so... In between New Year's Eve in 1982 through 1986, there were more than 5,000 residents that claimed that they saw several lights in the sky over New York's Hudson River Valley. The Hudson Valley is situated an hour north of New York City and is home to upscale professionals, retirees, and other people that you wouldn't normally or wouldn't normally come forward uh, believing in UFOs. Uh, people celebrated New Year's Eve that night in 1982 and saw an unusual aircraft in the sky. Now, they said it was large, uh, as large as a commercial jet, and in a V shape, moving slowly, and it made no sound. That's important to remember. The craft was triangular, almost like a boomerang, and it flew very low over the community. It was photographed and videotaped by hundreds of residents. People driving in their vehicles pulled off to the side of the road to find a phone so they could call home because they thought there was an invasion, uh, an invasion was taking place, so... Obviously, they didn't have the cell phones back then, so nope. they had to find a place to call. Um, over the next three years, uh, officials re received over thousands of reports from eyewitnesses who claimed to see the same V-shaped craft. So it wasn't like it was just that particular incident. Mm -hmm. On March 26th uh, in 1983, a front-page story in the Westchester Rockland Daily item proclaimed that hundreds claimed to have seen the UFO. Hundreds. After reports in the article, author Philip, I'm hoping I'm going to say this right, Imbrogno, investigated the Hudson Valley on behalf of the Center for UFO Studies, which was founded by J. Allen Hynek after his work with, a blue, with the Blue Book, blue Book Project. Now, if you don't know what that is, that's, that's pretty important. I'm going to explain that to you here. Uh, Project Blue Book, I should say, was a codename for the study of unidentified flying objects by the United States Air Force. I'm going to repeat that because that's pretty important. It's not something to gloss over. Project Blue Book, which I'm sure we may bring up sometime in another episode, Project Blue Book was a code name for the study of unidentified flying objects by the United States Air Force. And that, that ran from March of 1952 to its termination on December 17th of 1969. So, Imbrogno spent three months conducting hundreds of interviews with residents and even witnessed this V-shaped craft himself. He stated that the object was the size of a football field, hovered at times, um, yeah, and hovered at times and would project a beam of white light. Uh, he ended up seeing the object, I think, three different times during his investigations. And it was during these investigations that he noted something really interesting. Uh, the reports not only were about the craft in the sky, but also strange sounds coming from deep below the ground. So that's, that's pretty different from what you would mm -hmm. know from a, right, from a classic UFO uh, type situation. The locals in the 80s used to hear things come up from the underground, and they weren't sure what it was, but they thought um, there was some kind of military alien base uh, below ground. That's, that's pretty scary to think about. 
Um, they later documented the investigations in a book called Night Siege, the Hudson Valley UFO Sightings. And it was authored by Dr. Heineck, as we said, and Philip Imbrogno with the help of Bob Pratt. So that's kind of a, a short runway of some of the historical background. We're going to cover a lot more, but at least that gives you an idea of kind of when it started. My guess is it probably had started before that, but that's probably the first time it either was noticed or, or at least uh, reported. Yeah. You know? But uh, Nicole, if you want to kind of bring us into some of these sightings. So there's a lot here. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to just focus on the some of the main ones that most people know about. Right. Um, so we'll just get into it. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the UFO was not seen just over the Hudson Valley. Okay. Okay. But as far east as New Haven, Connecticut, and as far north as Brookfield, Connecticut. Okay. Okay. Um, while most reports describe the UFO moving at a very slow speed, hovering or turning slowly like a wheel, a few reports describe the object as suddenly zooming away at like high speeds or just disappearing. Okay. In some accounts, the shape varied so that the lights appeared as more as of like a circle than a V, but often the color and the arrangement of the lights changed as the viewers watched. Hmm. So in a few cases, reports arrived that put the object at two distant locations at the same time. Okay. Suggesting that there might be more than one of them. Sure. I mean, that would... Possibly. That would kind of make sense, mm -hmm. I would think, but yeah. Um, the object also seemed to be interested in bodies of water. One observer watched the UFO over Croton... I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think you are. Falls Reservoir, where it seemed to be use a red beam to probe the surface. So, like, it was almost oh. looking for something. Yeah, that's real weird. You know, you, you hear about these things and, like, it makes me think of Cocoon. You remember the movie Cocoon where, uh, yeah, yeah, the craft kind of went over and it put beams mm -hmm. of light to look for its people. Anyway, kind of jumping off. But, mm -hmm. yeah, that's interesting. So, on March 17th, 1983, so this is after the New Year's Eve thing, so this is a whole year right. after. Okay, um, this man named Dennis Sant, he says he witnessed the UFO at his home in Brewster, New York. And this is a quote from him. Okay. He says, it was a very large object. The structure of it was very dark gray, metallic, almost girder type looking. The object seemed to be very silent. The lights were iridescent, bright. They stood out in the sky and three-dimensional. It looked like a city of lights. It just hung in the sky, all brilliant colors. We followed the object around to the backyard, and at that point, a feeling of fright came upon me. Thoughts started to flood my mind. Thoughts of the craft touching ground. Thoughts of an encounter with an alien being. Thoughts of being abducted. All types of fearful thoughts started to enter into my mind. Jeez. Of course, that's probably what most of us would be. Yeah. Basically, he's describing his mind racing. Like, well, yeah. What if all this stuff happens? That's pretty scary, even in 1982, you know? Yeah. And, and then a few miles away on Interstate 84, the craft hovered overhead. Okay. Okay. And then this is a few days later, so March 24th of 1983. Okay. Officer Andy Sadoff of Newcastle was a policeman on routine patrol and witnessed the craft. Okay. So okay. there's a government official. Mm -hmm. And his quote is, I was working a 4 p.m. to midnight tour and assigned to set up some radar to look for speeding cars. And I looked up into the sky and saw a series of lights. And at first I thought it was a plane. It was quite at a distance, quite far away. But it was. It was really quite large. As I recall, there were mostly white lights. But there were green lights also. It was alternating green and white lights. It approached my vehicle and it stopped. And it seemed to hover. And I'm looking at this thing thinking, what is it? I wasn't afraid. I was just amazed. I was in awe of it. I didn't know what it was. The only thing that I recall the most is I was amazed that there was no noise. There was no humming. There was no engine. There was no sound. It was absolutely silent. Wow. I mean, <clears throat> you got to think. So you're an officer out on patrol, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially at night, 
you know, if you're a younger cop, maybe like a beat cop, maybe you haven't been on the force long, but still you'd probably have really keen observation capabilities, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's his job. Yeah. He's still been trained. So he's already said and stated that it had no sound. That's, that's pretty important for a lot of the stuff we're about to talk about, but Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, that's, that's impressive. So about the same time this is going on with him, um, there's a guy named Ed Burns who was a computer engineer and senior manager for IBM. Oh, wow. Okay. That hits close to home. <laughs> he was driving home on the Taconic Parkway, which is 10, it was about 10 miles north of this officer's location. Okay. Okay. And his quote what he said was out of nowhere. I got a lot of static on the radio. I thought maybe I was on the wrong number. And then I went over to turn the dial again. And that's when I looked up and saw this craft. It was a triangular ship and the back had to be as large as a football field at least. And there was no noise. I'm not into astronomy, but what I had witnessed that night was not from this planet. Hmm. And that was the same time that mm-hmm. the police. So, so, like, this is happening at the same time that the police officer saw what he saw, but it's 10 miles north of where the officer was. I so, in if, the sky, I don't know. I wonder that if it's the be, same craft, though, because it could just be at moving. a focal point, right? Yeah. Moving. They're not saying the in, same instance, I right? Think just within a same, same okay. time period is what I'm guessing. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then we don't have the name of this person. Okay. They said one witness saw the craft had moved up the Taconic Parkway. So, again, on this parkway, mm-hmm. in a Z pattern. Hmm. He described the object as being triangular in shape with 30 to 40 colored lights along the back edge. And this person said, quote, If there is such a thing as a flying city, this was a flying city. Wow. Okay. So I'd imagine, like, it looks like buildings with a bunch of lights. Yeah, you is know, what I'm guessing. Kind of reminds me of like Close Encounters of the Third mm-hmm. Kind. You know that part where it flips over and they have all that oh, city like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, when was that movie made? Would it have been made after this? Yeah, it was. Well, after eighty two, eighty three. No, I think that was filmed very mid to late seventies. So I think that came out in like eighty, maybe eighty one. So Can you imagine watching that movie and then when this <laughs> happened to you. No, <laughs> that's creepy. It is creepy. Mm-hmm. So, on the Taconic Parkway, people pulled over to watch this object as it moved slowly on its path. One observer estimated it was as large as an aircraft carrier. Okay. That's so that, huge. Yeah. You know about that. Yeah, Yes, I do. So, I can tell you that the flight deck of an aircraft carrier, because I've spent way too much time on one, mm-hmm. is about the length of three football fields. So, that's you know, huge. That, that's, that's no small craft. No. And for something to stay airborne, that's that size. I mean, and just to be sitting there, right, with quietly. no noise. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, over three hundred calls were received this night, and I the bet. object cruised over the community of Yorktown as well. And the police switchboard was so full of reports that they became concerned that they wouldn't be able to take any emergency calls because people were just sure. calling in about seeing this, tying up all the lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this officer, William Wolf Jr. was the dispatcher on duty that night. Okay. And his quote is every line kept going every single line, constantly answer, answering the phone. Another line would light up. I'd answer the next line and another one would line up, light up. I got to the point that the County park parkway stopped. The people were out in their cars. It was starting to get really crazy. I tried calling the car the cops to find out if they saw anything. And the only one that called Kevin said that he would stop in. Hmm. Obviously back then they don't have cell phones. Right. He's probably talking about over the radio. Sure. Sure. I sure. want to clarify that. Well, yeah. <laughs> For any younger listeners that, you know, forget that we didn't have cell phones back then. Well, not only- so he was calling over the, the radio. Yeah. Basically. And not only that, I know that uh, some of our listeners that are younger don't understand how <clears throat> kind of how telephones worked back then. You had, a line. Mm-hmm. And then if you were, you know, something like a police station or a mm-hmm. fire station, you had multiple lines going mm-hmm. in. So for it to tie that much up, 
they absolutely were concerned that they probably wouldn't get any emergency calls because you would get what yeah. they call a busy signal. Now, I know a lot of younger people don't know what that is, <laughs> but it's annoying when you got it. Yeah, so, you're not getting through at you're all. You're not getting mm-hmm. through. Wow. One of the most striking reports that the group gathered was from um, guards at the Indian Point nuclear plant. Now, this one's interesting. So they're talking about the investigators. Okay. That, this group. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the UFO apparently hovered over an active nuclear reactor for a few minutes, coming as close to the reactor dome as like 30 feet. Ooh, that's scary. The security supervisor even considered ordering guards to shoot it down, which good luck with that. Yeah. One guard described it as being the length of three football oh, fields, you what go. you just that's said. exactly what I, yeah, so it is a carrier size. Yeah, that's really intelligent. Let's shoot down something that's stationary and have it fall well, into a nuclear reactor. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like our guns are probably going to do anything. No, probably not. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> kind of taking that a little bit further, um, according to New York Times article published in August 25th of 1984, uh, officials at the time claimed the UFO was simply, this is what I find funny, was simple and cleverly executed hoax. Okay. <clears throat> so to them, the only thing unidentified about the flying object was the culprit behind it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> alleging it was formed by five to six pilots flying in tight formation. Okay. I'm going to get a little bit further into that here in a second. But anyway, one officer claims that they have allowed or they had followed the V shaped lights to a Stormville airport. Okay. There he says he observed a small group of a small group of small engine planes flying in close formation with their undersides painted black, perhaps to keep them from being visible from the ground. And then the aircraft were rigged with bright lights of alternating colors. Okay. I'm going to go on, but I'm going to state what I want to state about this. Okay. So moving on a home video showing a light formation above Brewster, New York was taken on June 10th in 1984 by local resident, Bob Pozzoli. I'm hoping that's right. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Philip and Brogno was convinced that the footage was the, was an actual UFO and quote, it has been looked by a number of photographic experts who indicate that the movement of the object in the video seems to be one rigid object, not individual objects. Plus, there were hundreds and hundreds of witnesses who saw the UFO and it said that it was something strange. But the night that the airplanes were seen, there were also a dozen witnesses who said that they did in fact see the airplanes. Okay, so here's, here's where I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. First of all, two things can be true at the same time. Okay. Could there be uh, aircraft out there? Well, sure. It's if you're buying an airport, there's going to be aircraft out there. Um, could there be a reason that they painted their bottoms black and had a whole bunch of light? I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But here's what I can tell you. Number one, I have seen probably every, well, up until I think I left in what, 2006. But I had seen pretty much every military aircraft up to that point um, at close. And I can tell you right now, none of them moved quietly, singularly, let alone in formation. If you've ever been anywhere close, especially, what do you say, 30 feet from a reactor? Yeah. If you've ever been close to a formation of aircraft, you know it. It is not silent. It is very far from silent. Well, and here's my take. Why? I mean, why would they do that? I mean, okay, maybe some guys want to play a joke, but if these are military aircraft and they paint the bottoms of them black, don't you think they're going to get in trouble for that? Yeah, you just don't paint it black. And they're going to spend their off time just painting all of these planes? I mean, and how do you regret? I mean, I just don't. Well, you don't. That's what the answer is. And the other part that cracks me up is that they have these multicolored lights. I can tell you, you have two lights, two colored lights in a military aircraft. There's green and red. They do not alternate. They blink. There's no white. There is no white. The only time there's white is when the landing gear is down and it's a very bright light to find the runway. 
Okay. But you're not going to see that, especially not in formation, unless you're like the Blue Angels, which you'd know. So what kind of planes would that have been in the, in the 80s? Could have been F-14s. For what Air Force. Oh, for Air, Air Force, F-15s. And F-15s. Those are noisy. Extremely noisy. Yeah. I mean, they were they were fighter jets for a reason. I mean, they weren't, you know, they weren't meant to be stealthy. Mm -hmm. They're meant to get in and out of somewhere very fast. Dro drop bombs. And drop and bombs go. and fire yeah. things. So there's just, I, I don't buy it. I do think two things can be true at the same time. Were they probably out there flying around? Of course they probably were. But do I think that's what was is responsible for the V formation? 100% absolutely no, not. No, and they could have been out trying to find this thing too. Right. You know, and that it was, I buy. And it was covered up with mm -hmm. the military saying no, you know. Yeah, that I buy that they scrambled aircraft going, holy, you know what? We got to we gotta intercept this thing. And they went flying around. I don't buy painting the bottoms black though because no. that's just – you. you It'd be it'd be hard pressed to do that. You just don't paint an aircraft. No. You know, like that. You know, and when I was looking for all these, you know, I eyewitness accounts, you know, of course the 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 people are like, Well, yeah, we did see planes at one point, but we also saw this. Exactly. And we could tell that these weren't plane this was not a plane that we were seeing. So they did actually say they saw planes flying. Right. Yeah. But they weren't painted black. I mean, they clearly knew they were planes. Well, and so that, and when you see a plane, I mean, most of us, you know, of course when you're, you know, first born or just a kid, you don't you can't decipher it, but most of us have been around aircraft. Most of us at this point in our life have seen them come in, have mm -hmm. seen them land, have seen them in formation. You know what an aircraft looks like. Oh, yeah. I mean, even in the dark, like if we go out right now, it's dark outside, by the way. But if we were to walk outside, guaranteed, there's going to be an aircraft out there somewhere. Oh, yeah. And you'll be able to spot it. Incidentally, you can also spot, because we have such a clear sky, you can spot the things that are not aircraft because they just look different. In fact, you like know. Satellites. Some, right. Yeah. You know, how sometimes we would see the satellites when it's going across. Mm -hmm. It's very stationary and it's one color the yeah. whole way through. Yeah. Right. That's not what they're reporting here. Well, it's not in the shape of a V. Right, right. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, trying to maybe play a little dev devil's advocate could, right. you know, but I just, it's but impossible. It, it's too too much of a complicated system oh, to yeah. try to pull this hoax off. And there wouldn't be any need to pull that hoax off. I know. Off. What's the point There wouldn't this? be. It'd be, and incidentally... A waste of money. Yeah. Every flight the military to heck, even every flight that commercial takes, there has to be a reason for that flight because of not just not just the cost behind it, but you're carrying either cargo, people, whatever have you. So it's not just some spontaneous right. uh, you know, flight. Right. So yeah, that's kind of my <laughs> my two cents yeah. on that. Um so there's one man that he's pretty famous. For yep. this whole situation, and yep. I'm not going to go deep into into it, um, right? But he needs to be mentioned. <laughs> yeah, in fact, you heard his voice at the very beginning yeah, of the show. Yeah, the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So his name is Whitley Stryber, mm -hmm. and he actually wrote about his experience in yeah. his book, which is called Communion. Which okay, they also so made actually... yeah, about, by the way. Okay, yeah. and look at that. Read it. Watch it. Whatever. Yeah. But. I, apparently him and his wife had bought this cabin in the western edge of the Hudson Valley. Mm -hmm. And in December of 1985, he woke up in a room in the middle of the night. And the room had two different types of figures looking back at him. Mm -hmm. So he's saying like two. Two species. Species. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like they don't look the same. Yep. Okay. And one of them was kind of skinny with big black eyes. And the other was these dark blue short figures. Yeah. Which is interesting. I've never heard the dark blue. Yeah. Before. I've heard mantis and other ones, but dark blue is new mm -hmm. to me too. He said that he then heard a voice say, what can we do to help you stop screaming? <laughs> and he said he didn't realize that he had been screaming at the time and then realized he was like, just, you know, like, <laughs> And then he doesn't remember anything after that. And right. the next morning he woke up confused with no understanding of what had happened to him. But then I think, you know, things start to come back to him eventually after this. And right. you know more about that. So I think. I think he went through some hypnosis, of course, which brought mm -hmm. some of this out. Um, and his story is, look, there's, 
there's a lot of people out there that I give a lot of credit to when it comes to alien abduction. And there's some that are just like, I don't want to discount anybody's, in, no, you know, but incident, it's, but it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard, especially as somebody who's a big fan of ufology and of the paranormal, but I'm also very grounded mm-hmm. and just trying to decipher that Occam's razor and things. But there are a couple that, that will to the, probably till the day I die, will always define my, my capability to do that. One is Travis Walton and the one is Whitley Stryver. And, and the reason for that is that they're both very credible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. in Whitley's case, he's a very well-known author. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you can tell if you ever watch some of the interviews with this guy, he doesn't really want to be a part of this. No. You know, he, he re, he's a reluctant observer in the beginning when communion came out. Now, subsequently, he's he's got a lot of great books that have to do with it. But you write what you know. The guy went through a traumatic right. thing, right? It's, but, it's, it's his process of basically it's his therapy. Yeah, it's exactly you know? his therapy. And I would imagine the same is true for Travis Walton. I mean, it's the only way he was able to go on living is to yeah. talk about and it. And rationalize it. Yeah. yeah. But he's <clears throat> his story is really interesting. And... I don't want to take away from that because you guys really should either a watch the movie, which I think has Christopher Walken playing Whitley Stryber. So it's just interesting to see. That's interesting. It is very interesting, but, um, or, or read the book. Um, it's, it, it's, it's so interesting. Some of the parallels that he, that he has with, especially with Travis Walton. Um, but he's very vocal on what happened and he's pretty open. So, and there's a lot of interviews on YouTube. I urge you to watch it. Um, but to this day, he's still an advocate for what happened. And he tries to, I think, sometimes write and be an advocate for people who are who are people um, that claim to have been abducted and have mm-hmm. incidences. So, um, but yeah, he's he's definitely a big portion of this particular Hudson Valley incident because this did happen in the Hudson Valley during the time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, he's still very, very vocal. So, um, and, and what's great about us talking about about him is not only is he the past part of this, but he's very much so the contemporary voice of this mm-hmm. because as I mentioned at the top of the show, that's just the beginning. Yeah. There are, this is not an incident that in, when we started this, I thought it was just, okay, this happened in the eighties. Right. Oh no. No. This it, stuff is still happening to these people. Yes. Currently. It, it's extremely active. It is not mm-hmm. a, it's not an in the past situation, no, you know, and, not at all. um, there's, there's so many accountings out there. And I think what we did is we tried to try to find a credible source and there's just so much out there. So we did what most people did is we watched some, some videos and some movies and, and a lot about what we're going to talk about came from one particular, um, movie and that was, um, Hudson Valley incident, I think on yeah. on uh, HBO or Max or whatever the heck they're calling themselves these days. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, um, yeah, let's let's transition to some of the the current stuff. Okay, so um, <laughs> <laughs> so some of this stuff is, I mean, you can you know obviously think what you want. Yeah. In watching these people actually talk about it, it's really hard to discount them. Mm-hmm. Um. Hearing it from our voices, you're going to be like, yeah, right. That's immediately what you're going to think. Right. But, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, but we're, our job is just to present it to mm-hmm. you, and you can think what you want and do more research if, if you're interested in it. Um, I in fact, re- you should. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend um, purchasing a home in the area. but um, <laughs> <laughs> you might get a good discount on it. <laughs> yes, yes. So we're going to start with this man and... He's a UFO investigator, mm-hmm. actually, but his name is is Mark D. Antonio. Okay, and he doesn't live there now. <laughs> Surprise! He goes back to do all the research and stuff. But he right. did own a home there at one point, and he said he woke up and he was laying in his bed and he couldn't move, like he was frozen. I know they have a word for that when it comes to um, yeah um, UFO encounters. That this happens oh, yeah. a lot. Like you're just frozen, yeah. almost like, you know, sleep paralysis yeah. in a way. Very similar, basically. sure. Um, but then he felt like he, w- you know, was kind of floating. And then he saw this being 
in front of him, and it started moving a wand, you know, back and forth underneath his nose. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, he couldn't remember what happened, basically. Right. Um, but when he woke up, he was face down in his bed, and his face was like in his pillow, you know, like, yeah. you know, like pushed down, but he f- said he felt like he was drowning. Ooh. Okay. And when he lifted his head up, he was basically, there was blood everywhere there, and he was drowning in blood. Yeah. Um, That's so a way he, to wake up. Yeah. He felt like there was something in his nose, like in his nostril. Right. Like you, you know, when you feel like something's yeah. there, you know? Yeah. I've had nasal surgery, and when you have it, mm-hmm. yeah, packing in there. Yeah. And you feel that. And he felt like something. So he went to his doctor. And they went in there and they removed this large, like, I'm, I'm going to, can you see that? Like that big around thing out of his nose. And the doctor was even like, that's the largest polyp if that's what it is. But they really couldn't tell what it was. Yeah. And it was like the size of this guy's two thumbs put together. I mean. So some sort of tissue like substance. That is so crazy. First of all, how off-putting would that be, number one? Oh, yeah. And then just to know that you didn't put it there, so... So he thinks he was abducted, obviously, right. and they inserted something into his body. Yeah, I mean... Uh, so I would yeah. guess that after that is when he sold his home and um, <laughs> left. Yeah. I don't even know if you worried about taking a loss no. in that property. So, But... I think because of this, that's what actually led him to become the UFO investigator. So he wasn't previously. And now he goes back and tries to help, you know, because obviously he made acquaintances and friends that still live in this area. And he's he's there to help them. Um, So kudos for you going back. Yeah. Um, So this next guy, his name is Brian Bowden. Yeah. On the show, they say Bowden Bowden. Bowden. Yeah. It's tough to say. But he's actually the Hudson Valley historian. Okay, and him and this other guy, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, his name was Al Santariga, but they were camping near this lake in the Hudson Valley, and they ended up seeing this uh, orange light in the sky, kind okay. of like a, a circle, like a sphere. Right, a sphere. Mm-hmm. And they kind of like hiked down to the water, I guess, and then like was looking up in the sky at it and pointed at it. And when they did that, it flew, like, directly at them. Oh. Okay. And it hovered over their heads. And he said that nothing happened after that. Like, nothing happened. Like, it just left. And when they started hiking back to their campsite, somehow they had lost two hours of time. So he they pointed an object. They pointed at the orange light. It flew at them, hovered above their heads. Then they don't remember anything. That You know, the way he describes it is like, oh, it just left. But then when they turn around to go back to their campsite, they realize that two hours has passed. And it probably only took them like 10 minutes to walk down to the water from where they were. So two hours are gone. So there, there's a time gap. Mm-hmm. So then the next morning, you know, he gets up and he goes home and everything. And, you know, obviously he's changing and stuff. And he notices he's got bruises all over his chest. Like okay. deep blue purple bru- bruises. Like you got the you know what kicked out of him. <clears throat> yes, and then he like feels choked up, so he goes in the bathroom and he starts like choking, and he goes to spit up, and he spits up this blue like phlegm. Ew, I mean that's mm-hmm. not Jello sh- shooters. That's just straight no. up nasty. And he's like, "What? What happened?" Uh. So this Al Santariga, which is with Brian. Um, same situation. He says the same thing about what he saw. But when he went home, he noticed he had like what you'd have like a fat lip, like from getting in a fight. Right. Okay. And he felt like something was implanted. Hmm. Now, he didn't say whether he went to the doctor or they pulled anything out or anything. I guess it eventually went away. But it was just like sore, like something had happened there. Okay. Okay. Um, and then... After about like a few years after this incident, he woke up in bed because there was this light coming through the window and he sees these two tall aliens. Okay. As we gliding 
towards him. Okay. And in the next room, his daughter starts screaming, like screaming, screaming. And it kind of made um, the aliens disappear. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh uh-oh. So, you know, he's back in bed because he was starting to kind of hover towards the windows, like float towards the window. So he ends up back in bed. The aliens disappear. The light disappears. And when, like, him and his wife both run in to their daughter's room... She is apparently like holding their son's legs down on the bed and Whoa. she's like screaming and she's saying, you can't take my brother. You can't take my brother. Wow. And so I guess the same thing was happening in his room. Like he was floating okay. towards the windows and they were trying to, and she was grabbing his legs and like pinning him down. They were trying to get a two for one special. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That is crazy. I mean, mean, it's not. It's not crazy, but it's crazy. <laughs> no, I mean it's. It's definitely one of those where, um, you know, so they're getting the father and the son, right? Which is interesting. And I don't know. We're going to cover a little bit more of this, mm-hmm. but I'm not going. We're yeah, not going to we'll, say. We'll tip why. our hat too much, but it, it is interesting and it'd be awfully scary. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, next incident here. Wow. Um, this guy named Bruce Balbach, I think, um, <laughs> is a farmer. Okay. And he was just in his living room watching TV one night, and there was this interference, like, on the TV. Okay. Okay, making this weird, like, sound. Sure. Okay. So, he gets up, he goes over to the phone, and it has the same interference on the phone. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And... You know, he went back to his TV and the the TV came back on. And when he sat down and looked in front of it, like the program that he was sitting down to watch had already finished. It was like 40 minutes later. There's another time gap. Uh Uh-huh. So he thinks possibly he was taken and brought back. Now, he doesn't seem to have any other memories of anything else happening or any physical signs. um, But he just remembers the tone. Hmm. On the TV and the phone. So. And he described it as like a deep oscillating Right, like a gravelly oscillating noise. Yes, yes. Okay. Now, he has a friend. Okay, we don't have his name. Okay. But he heard the same sound. So he's in the same area probably. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's like a neighbor or something. Um, but he heard the same sound one night and he woke up to what he described as a gray. So the aliens that, you know, look gray. The traditional uh, almond eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was standing next to his bed and then something happened with a, in the field with the man's horses and it caused some kind of disturbance. And, and I don't know exactly what happened, but it kind of, I, I think drove the horses kind of crazy. They hadn't ended up putting the horses down. Oh man. Oh, so that's terrible. maybe, you know, they got so frightened that sure. they injured themselves or and that happens a lot with horses. Right. They get, they get too scared. Um, and apparently in this man's field, so I'm guessing he's a farmer as well. Sure. It left a burn mark in the field. Tangible evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we got more. No, I don't <laughs> doubt it. <laughs> okay. So there's a man named Patrick Jackson, and he's uh, also a UFO investigator uh, based in England. Okay? okay. That they spoke, they spoke to this guy. Okay. Okay. About why he thinks that these, you know, abductions and stuff, you know, are coming in. Kind of root said, cause of what's yeah. going on. And he said, um, they're coming for our genetics. Coming That's what for, he told genetics. for our genetics. Now, we'll get more to that here in a little bit. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Well, well. <clears throat> so, there is a man named Jimbo Marzano. Awesome name. hmm <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> and when he w- this is from when he was like five years old, so he was probably... I don't know. This is probably from before the 80s is oh, sure. what I'm going to guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
but he remembers having nightmares. Um, the room was spinning with lights and sound. Um, there was like figures that he saw and he was floated out of the room. He remembers a giant dark space with dark figures all around him. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And everything's just dark. He doesn't remember exactly what they look like, just this dark darkness everywhere. And when he woke up in the morning, he remembered, you know, remembered all this stuff, and it just kept happening to him over and over and over. And it's been happening all these years. I mean, Jeez. he's, you know, an older gentleman now. And, like, it, when he was a kid, he told his parents, of course, and they took him to the doctor, and the doctor told him to stop feeding him after 5 p.m. because he was having nightmares. After 5 p.m.? Mm-hmm. What, is he a gremlin? Well, they sometimes with young children, if they eat too late, it can keep them awake. And, you know, there's different things there. (laughs) But and they, you know, they asked this man, why do you think they keep coming back for you? You know, because he says this has been continuing, continuing on since he was five years old. Like they're still doing it to him. And he said he said that that they are tracking people with the DNA that they are interested in. So that's the second person to have said it. That is not frightening at all. Mm-hmm. No. Now, this Jimbo guy's neighbor, okay, and her, and she was very reluctant. Yeah, I remember. So I'm going to kind of leave her name off of this. Um, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Just because, but this isn't, and she's very, very, very scared. Yeah. Um, and And. I understand why, yes. and you will understand why after I tell you this. But um, she's been having experiences since the late eighties. Mm. You know, and she kind of lives out in seclusion there in, right. in the Hudson Valley, which is easy to do because it's a very vast area. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. But you know, there was one point she was hearing a humming sound. She said, and she saw these flashing lights, and she saw this, you know, craft moving, and it dropped down into the forest. That's just like a recent. Okay. Yeah, and we're when we were watching this, this, this was on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> this had happened within a few days of these investigators going there. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like this is back in the eighties. This was, I think they filmed this late twenty twenty one, maybe twenty two. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about very, very recent. Oh yeah, very recent. Yeah. So, but her, this is kind of hard to. To talk about because it's it's really terrifying. It is, and she was terrified. Mm-hmm. So, she said that there was an incident where she woke up in her bed, frozen, like mm-hmm. all the rest of them have said, and there were seven grays standing in her bedroom. Seven, seven, <laughs> seven. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. little friends thing. <laughs> Um, but they were five foot tall Yeah, and their eyes were round. And she said that when she looked into their eyes, it was like she was looking into space and there were like stars moving around that my skin is actually crawling right now. Just hearing myself say that, (laughs) but like when I heard her say it, spooky. Mm -hmm. And she said, she was laying in bed and her arms were outstretched. So like out to the side. Yeah. Like if you, you know, reach out to the side and stretch out. Right. That's how she was laying in bed. Okay. And she heard, you know, of course she was freaking out and she heard a woman's voice say, it's okay. In her name, right. which I'm leaving out. Nothing's going to happen. We are just replacing the crystals. Hmm. Right. There's something that I don't know what to say about that, but yeah, but she, but she said she looked down, you know, looked down at her body. Right. Hmm. And she said her whole like body was open. She could see her heart. She could see her organs. She could see that, you know? Yeah. And that, that's when, so in watching this show, um, it was on HBO, so it wasn't overly graphic, but you can tell just how petrified this woman was. Oh my God. This. Yeah. And, and she said after that, she, the next thing she remembers is, is like coming down a chute, almost like coming down a slide, yeah. like an enclosed slide. Yeah. And, and she could see stars like all around her. 
Okay. And she hit the floor and and when she looked down, obviously her she didn't see that on her body anymore, but her shirt was all ripped ripped yeah. straight through. And it just yeah. Yeah. But the shoot thing makes me think like that's how they're bringing her back down, like like the beam, like or, portal or yeah. dimension or right. something like that. Because she could see, like you know, in the movies when they show stuff like that, it's always you can see the stars on the side. Yeah, um, yeah. And in fact, the portal thing. Mm-hmm. So they think there's yeah. a, a, a massive portal over the Hudson Valley. Right. And there are some people that believe and some ufologists that believe that that is how these crafts or these beings are getting are, in and are, out. Yeah. They're getting in and out through portals. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's even, <clears throat> and I know we didn't cover it on this one, but there are even some families that are having what you would call quote unquote paranormal instances happening in their home, mm-hmm. um, which most people would chalk up to probably being, you know, maybe ghosts or something like that, right. spirits. But because of how it's happening and where it's happening, they're thinking that potentially these are these aliens or beings or however you want to, you know, whatever you want to mm-hmm. say, um, coming through these portals into their homes or or what have you because of what we're going to talk about a little bit more here in a second. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so there's there is that belief about the portals there. Yeah. So they talked about this on the show, and this is something that I had previously heard about and never really gave it much credit because I'm like, eh, what, what's their basis here right. for fact? Right. However, after watching this, I mean, because the, and I'll go into it here in a second. So of all the abductions yeah. globally, not just U.S., globally, 60%, 60% of abductions are with people with an RH negative blood type. And that's something. Okay. That's just wild. And only 15% people, 15% of people in the world have an RH negative blood type. Okay. So, wild. so 60% of the abductions have that. Hmm. So Yeah. I mean that's that's I mean, a huge number if you think about it in that way. Like if only 15% of the world has that negative blood type. Right. And of that 15% of that 15% per of the ones that are abducted, 60% of those have RH negative yes. factor. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's just now we're going to explain this. Okay. So the RH factor, it's a protein, mm-hmm. okay, that is found on the surface of your red blood cells. Right. Okay. And if your blood cells have this protein, you are RH positive. Right. Okay. Following me here. I'm following <laughs> <Okay>. you. <laughs> if your blood cells do not have this protein, then you are RH negative. Okay. Okay. The positive or the negative part of your blood type like if you were O positive or A negative, refers to your RH status. Okay. Okay, so most people have a positive blood type. Right. They don't have a negative blood type, so that's what they're talking about. Right. It's only 15% of the world which has a negative. Which by which and is large very is very small. Very small. It's still a huge number because it's a worldwide population, mm-hmm. but for the most part, that is still a very small number. Right, right. Now, we inherit our blood type or our letter from our parents. Right. Okay. So we also inherit the RH factor from them as, them as well. Correct. Okay. So this passes down genetically. Mm-hmm. DNA. Yep. Genetics. Remember that word earlier? Yes. Genetics. DNA. So each person has two RH factors in their genetics. One from each parent. Correct. Okay. So that's why they, I know. <laughs> so when I heard about this, my grandmother who is still with us, you know, Mm -hmm. she's older. She's always told me about, she's got an RH negative blood type. Right. Okay. And when she was pregnant with my, my uncle at the time, I know she, they told them not to ever have any more kids because it's, it's dangerous for a woman, Sure. you know, because it can cause a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. They can, you know, 
deliver early and all this other stuff. So I remember her talking about that. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I wonder if Granny's ever been Right. The thing is, though, knowing. It's great. It's like, it. you know, that's, it's so, and I remember her saying, well, yeah, the doctor said I had a rare blood type. And I thought, okay, you know, like, but I never realized how rare this actually was. I'm telling you right now, had your grandmother been abducted, she'd have kicked their rear. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So going going with this, so scientists okay. do not know where this Rh negative came from. I did they not know that. They don't know. They've done multiple studies, multiple, you know, they don't know where it originated from. Okay, so this has led some, you know, UFO sure. people yes, <laughs> or just random people. Yeah, They theorize that the Rh negative blood type was either in our past, you know, with our ancestors, either injected, okay, or bred into our genetic heritage by aliens in our past and it is why they are coming back to study it today. Interesting. Now, this is the part I had heard before that I just kind of like was like, "Oh, come on, whatever." <laughs> right. But after seeing this and and here's the thing. They took these blood tests of these people that are being abducted in Hudson Valley. Yeah. And it was like a very high number of them came back that they were Rh negative. Yeah. They were Rh negative. So, if you're RH negative, don't go live in the Hudson Valley. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful. So, it it does sound, I mean, no, no whether, you know, kind of what they're saying is that either they've abducted our ancestors in the past, mm -hmm. put this into them, and then put them back on Earth and are studying them like lab rats, sure. basically. Or the other theory is that they have bred their species with our species, sent women back down to earth pregnant with their beings and are seeing basically if we can procreate together right. and seeing how the descendants, you know, if they're healthy or whatever, and they're taking these people back and studying them to see. So, I mean, it's I don't want to say like, their stuff. Negative, yeah, yeah, negative. Like if you've got a negative RH blood type, means that you're part alien. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying this is what some people believe. I mean, right. they, they've sure. got these beliefs. They've got this belief. It's very interesting, though. Yeah, I mean, you look at it just at surface level, right? Mm -hmm. Granted, it's it's an awfully big pill to swallow, right? It is. It is huge, but it is. <clears throat> I mean, it is odd. It is very odd that they want to take and and for that one, they took the the father. And they were trying to, or they were trying to take the father and they were trying to take, take the son. Right. That's I'm, weird to me. I mean, it's interesting because even if you take the, the surface level of the fact that this is supposedly alien uh, genetic uh, mutations, right? Mm -hmm. Is it really any different than what we do with some of the, Well, you know, no, it's you know. not. That's what I'm saying. It's basically <laughs> like, la you know, lab rats. I mean, they're right. testing and- you know, they put something up that guy's nose, and then the one lady said, oh, we're just putting the crystals back. Right. What does that mean? I have no That's just... You know what I mean? And, and like, to anyone else, she would probably sound insane. Oh, sure, yeah. However, if you know, which I don't know a lot about it, and we probably, you know, should have talked more to Rissa Miller the other yeah. day about, um, you know, there's a lot of people that use crystals, you know, whether they're, you know, Wiccan or whatever, and they, they use them in their craft. But regardless of that, you know, stones and crystals hold energy. Sure they do. You know, we have that, I mean, quartz, limestone, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Places that are built on top of areas that usually have more paranormal activity. Yeah, that's, have that's their ghosts. Have very their, well proven. You know, so does it have something to do with that? Is it, are they putting them in there to record record something i mean that could i mean be. i don't know that's that's just it's i'm just going way, way out there it's wild no <laughs> that's throwing a guess you know because that's the only thing i can think of and 
does crystals mean the same thing to them as it does to us? Because surely if they said that, if she went to the doctor and there's crystals inside of her body, they would see that. So does it mean something different? I mean, we don't know. Well, here's but. where, where I'm going to throw my biggest nerd hat on possible, right? Okay. Get ready for this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry. So we talk about crystals and aliens, right? Yeah. What the about one of the skull? So well, no, not just that. About? Well, okay. that, yes, but <laughs> the greatest alien story ever told, Superman. He came down and right, with, no. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to throw it out there, you know. That thing he had a crystal, you know, fortress of solitude. All oh, his yeah. recordings were on crystals. crystals. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, true. it's it's interesting, you know. We could use a little Kal-El right now. I think. <laughs> Kidding. So, but I, mean, I have my nerd hat on too because I know his name. So, look at that, Kal-El. guys, Kal-El. All right. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, yeah, I mean, and technically he would be an alien. Yes, he would be absolutely an alien. Isn't that what they called him in the comics and stuff yeah, like that? He was but, an alien. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, people are going to turn us off I now. Know. I mean this this whole incident <clears throat> incident says, I mean, this is happening to this day. Um, you know whether whether you choose to to believe in some of this. That's entirely up to you. Oh, you know, yeah. that's kind of what our show is. We bring you the stuff. You decide what you what you want to, you know, what you take out of it. I, I can tell you this, and I'm pretty sure Nicole will agree, in watching these people talk, whether or not you believe it happened to them, uh, they believe they it happened believe to them. They believe it, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's too many of them to discount every single one. Way too many. Yeah. And, and, and you can... I mean, I'm I'm pretty good at reading people. Yeah. Um, and if if they're lying, they're like the best actors and actresses on right. the planet, because you can see the fear and the terror on their face. They don't want to speak about it. No. You know. Um, <clears throat> and you don't blame them. I mean, they almost had that one woman had to be like, <laughs> they kind of pressured her into talking they did. about it. Yeah, um, they kind of they kind of browbeat her into it. Yeah, and I that's why I choose to not say yeah. her name. I mean, you can go find it and watch it. Yeah, but um, I'm not gonna do that. I guess I because, shouldn't say they browbeat her. They're just trying to get information. That's probably wrong of me to say, but you could tell she was extremely. She did not reluctant, want to. Reluctant. I mean, and can you blame her? I mean, that's a hard thing. Yeah. To talk about and to live with, you know, if that actually happened to her, how terrifying. Yeah. I mean, look at all these witnesses and all these things, you know, granted hers, of course, was very, very, uh, I mean, horrific for her to see how her body was. I mean, we just talked at, at mm-hmm. length about some of the things that would keep her up at night. But you look at this long list of people that have seen or, or gone through something in the Hudson Valley and. You know, you just got to think to yourself, okay, there are a lot of UFO uh, incidences out there where they're one-offs or these single incidences, and, you know, there's not a lot of repeat things. There's a few places like in Florida, like Gulf Breeze and some other place where there's repeat sightings, right? Mm -hmm. But nothing to this caliber. No. I I mean, it's just... I think it's like the number one... Yeah, it is the number one. ...in the world Mm -hmm. um, because of so many witnesses and so you know so much data and and all this other stuff that they have on it and and the fact that it's not just a like this happened at this time and now it's done like it has been continuing since well and obviously it's happened before the 80s but right i mean the first real big thing that happened was in the 80s and i mean yeah that's a long time long time and that's just in recorded history. We don't know. Right. What we happen. don't know what happened before. And, you know, they've also got the talking about the sounds coming up from underneath the ground. I mean, what is that? <laughs> that's just scary stuff is really what that is. Yeah. But listen, guys, I mean, we could we could keep going on because there's even more in more um, more witnesses than even what we've covered. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is one of those where you just kind of got to take it in stride. Tell us. You know, by all means, leave us comments. You can, um, you, you know, live in the Hudson yeah, Valley and you need yeah. to talk to someone. Um, we will listen to your story. Yeah, you bet. We don't have to record it. We don't have no. to tell anyone. No, you just need someone to talk to. 
um, because this, that's, yeah. that's significant. Yeah. And that goes for really anything. Um, yeah. you know, if, if you guys need to reach out to us, we're at info at gxparanormal.com. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. If you're in the Hudson Valley and you, and you have other, uh, instances you'd like to talk about, by all means, reach out to us. We don't necessarily need to record you or no. anything else. We can, it can just be by email or however you mm-hmm. want to do it. But, but if you want to tell your story as yeah. well, if you want it out there, we're willing to help you do that. Jump so, on in. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, I, I think it is a very cathartic thing. Like Travis Walton and, mm-hmm. and Whitley Strieber. Whitley Strieber. I mean, it, it's in a way a sort of therapy that, that, they can get out there and meet other people that this has happened to. Right. And they can tell people their story and they know people, there's going to be a lot that don't believe them, but right. talk talking does help. Therapy sure does. does help. It, mm-hmm. it does help. Absolutely. And that's just a form of it. Um, and it'll help you maybe get through the day, get through the month, get through the year, you know? Yeah. I mean, folks, I can't say any better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, so glad to have you with us again. Um, you know, we're we're excited. Got a couple of really great shows lined up. Um, so be on the lookout for those. <laughs> but uh, other than that, hey, you guys, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Check us out at our Facebook at Generation X Paranormal Podcast. Our website, gxparanormal.com. Should have pretty much everything we have as far as events and upcoming things regarding the podcast. And if you'd like to reach out to us directly, our email is at info at gxparanormal.com. Thank you and have a nice day.